standing for just a moment and just take your Bibles and turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter number 16. Uh, I was thinking a while ago, the storm. And I, I'm from Florida. I'm from South Florida. I'm Florida cracker. Say amen. Uh, and I've been through several hurricanes, several hurricanes. And in the middle of that hurricane, there's something called an eye. An eye. It's right in the middle. I, I've been where the eye passed right over where we were. And there's something about the eye. It's a little weird. I mean, it's blowing and it's raining and it's, it's coming down. You think the world's falling apart. And when the eye comes over, it's the, it's the calmest. I mean, it ain't even a breeze in the eye. And when the disciples was in the ship and they was in the storm, and here they see Jesus walking on the water. They're afraid, they're scared to death. And he said, hey, fear not. It is, he's the eye of your storm. The most, <laughs> man, I want to preach right there. And, and, and one thing that I found out living in Florida, the bigger the storm, the bigger the eye. And, and whatever, we need to get the Second Chronicles 16. Man, that's good stuff right there. Now, I'm just, hey, are you in a storm today? There's something about most storms we go through as Christians. They're usually unexpected. And we don't see them coming. But I'm glad he's in the midst. Amen. I want to read just a couple verses. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 7. Are you there? Say amen. Verse 7. Now, we're going to talk about the King Asa. Uh, King Asa was somebody who had great promise and hope in the beginning, but something took place that changed everything. And that's what we'll talk about today. Uh, it says, and at that time, Hanani, the seer or the preacher, the prophet, if you will, he came to Asa, king of Judah and said unto him, because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God. Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Then he reminds him of what happened in chapter 14. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubans a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Verse 12. And Asa in the thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord but to the physician. Father, one more time, help us. Lord, I pray, help me. I pray that you'll fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. God, you know who's here. You know what we need. Lord, you, you have the ability to change my words from my mouth to their ears so they hear what they need to hear. And I pray that you'll just touch us now. We love you. We praise you. We are in desperate need of you. For without you, we can do nothing. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. What I would like to do is kind of share uh, with you a story of, of this king and, and what he's done. Uh, when I was in Bible college, uh, we were taught that you study and you prepare and you get your, your cup filled that it runs over in the saucer uh, and then you give your people the saucer, amen? Uh, but that's hard to do when you know what's in the cup, amen? 
There is so much here, and I and I, I I beg you, go home, go home and read chapter fourteen, chapter fifteen, and chapter sixteen to really uh, uh, reinforce what I'm trying to teach you today. Chapter fourteen. Let's start there. Chapter fourteen. We find King Asa beginning his reign, beginning his ministry, if you will, if you want to use that terminology, and he is is uh, in a place where he desperately needs God. We have a, a kingdom coming against him. We have the enemy coming with a million-man army coming against him. Now, the worst part about that is King Asa only has 580,000 to face this million-man army. He's almost outnumbered two to one. And he knows his situation is desperate. He knows if God does not do something, they are in trouble. And he begins to call out unto God. In chapter 14, we find him calling to God and saying, God, if you don't show up, we're in trouble. If you don't show up, we're not going to make it. God, if you don't show up, we have gone under. And he says this terminology, I love this. He says, we rest in the Lord. The word rest there is so important. It's so important. It's the same word. If you look it up in your concordance, the same Hebrew word that we find over in chapter number 16 where he said you relied on man, you relied on Benadad, uh, king of Syria. He was leaning toward them. And in the beginning of his ministry, in the beginning of his reign, he rested in the Lord. He leaned on the Lord. Same word used in Proverbs 3 where it says lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He is leaning on God. He is depending on God. He is putting his faith in God and his confidence in God. If there was one thing that God wants out of his children, it is complete faith, it is complete confidence, it's complete trust. Without faith, you cannot please God. God says the just shall live by faith. We don't live by sight. We don't live by our atmosphere. We don't live by our surroundings. We've lived by faith in the word of God. And boy, his response, his response tickled God. Don't you love when God gets tickled with our faith? You ever notice when Jesus was ministering here on this earth and, and somebody came to him and, and, and they doubted, uh, he gave them a lecture. But when someone came to him, uh, the, 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 the Gentile came to him, the woman came to him, he said, wow, what great faith. I haven't seen this much faith in all of Israel. Why? Because God loves when his children believe in him. And, and so God sent a prophet to him in chapter 15. He, he had faith, and he chose to lean on the Lord in chapter uh, 14. And because of that, God sent the man of God to him and said, Look, because you've done this, you have made the Lord happy. And because you've done this, in chapter number 15, he says, If you honor God... God will honor you. Where you go, he will go. He will be on your side, and God will put his favor on you. How many of y'all could use God's favor this morning? And you know what? Asa got so tickled with that. He got passionate about the things of God. And if you go home and read, go read all of chapter number 15, and you will find all the things he got passionate about. He got passionate about holiness. He began to take all the idols out. He began to take all the witches and the wizards out. He began to take all the idolatry out. And I'm telling you what, if you ever start walking with God, you'll start cleaning house. The Holy Ghost will come into your life, and he'll say, this can't be here. This needs to go. You need to take this out. And I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart, America needs a revival of holiness. God's people need a revival of holiness. Getting right with God. 
He not only was passionate about holiness, he was passionate about righteousness. Righteousness, the Bible says in, in uh, uh, chapter number 15, verse 12, and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God. In other words, to pursue him, to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their soul and all their heart. What does that mean? He not only cared about the rules, he cared about the relationship. He desired to walk with God. You see, you got to understand, Christianity is not a list of rules. Now, we do follow uh, commands and responsibilities that we have as children of God. But God wants us to love Him. God wants us to walk with Him. God wants us to seek Him out. God wants us to have a relationship with Him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And boy, he got passionate about following God. So we see a zeal and an excitement and a fire in his life. He got passionate about generosity. The Bible says in verse number uh, verse number 18, it says, And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and vessels. I mean, this picture is getting better and better. He's relying on God. He's trusting in God. And because of that, he cares about holiness. Because of that, he pursues a relationship with God. Because of that, he becomes a generous giver. He cares about generosity. You cannot walk with God and be stingy. You can't because God is a giver. And if you walk with him and become like him, you will give like him. Boy, he's passionate about giving. And in the very next verse, the Bible says, So God took war away and gave them peace. There's something that will mark the heart of a man who's walking with God, and that's peace. All hell could be breaking loose in their life, and they'll have peace in their soul. Hey, it might not be all right in the White House. It might not be all right everywhere else, but it's all right in the Father's house. Hey, I might not be well with my finances. I might not be well with my physical health. I might not be well mentally. My wife says, amen. I might not be well in a lot of places, but it's well with my soul. And when you walk with God, God will give you peace. You say, Bridget, what's the problem? What's the problem? Well, in an extended period of peace, something happens. Something happened. Something changed. He went from depending on God in chapter 14 against a million-man army to now he runs into an adversity in chapter number 16. And in chapter number 16, the Bible says he went into the treasury and took gold and silver out of the treasury and bribed the enemy king and said, come help me. And he relied on an enemy king and did not talk to God about it, did not pray, did not seek the face of God. He turned his back on God. What happened? In the beginning of our country, God blessed America like no other nation. I believe we were founded on godly I don't care what I don't care what atheist historians try to say. They try to take God out of everything. They they I don't care what they say. God blessed this nation because of religious freedom. I don't care what nobody says. And God blessed this nation, and what have we become? What have we become? What has happened? What would take a man that was so passionate about following God, so passionate that he even kicked out his own family out of royalty because they were not following God? 
They were so passionate about walking with God that they made a covenant that if you didn't, they would stone you. Miss church again, amen. You talking about you talking about jacked up for Jesus? Man, they were pa- so what what would cause somebody to go that far from being so excited about God to turning their back on God? I believe in times of prosperity, it's a very dangerous thing because it would be very easy to forget God. Abraham Lincoln said in his proclamation, April 30th, 1863, the National Day of Fasting and Humiliation and Prayer. Abraham Lincoln said, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Ronald Reagan said, if we ever forget that one nation under, we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. We've forgotten God. God warned the Israelites before they went into the promised land. He said, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. I'm going to give you wells that you didn't dig. I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't plant. I'm going to give you a place of milk and honey where the blessings overflow. But you need to be very careful. I need to warn you. I need to warn you. I want to put my favor upon you. I want to put my blessings upon you. I want to put my hand upon you. But I need you to be careful. He said, beware, Deuteronomy 8, 11, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I commanded thee this day. Lest, watch this, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. What does that mean? That means this. When you're in slavery, it's easy to seek God. When when you're in slavery, when you're in bondage, when they're bringing whips upon your back, when you're in chains, I don't have to beg you to pray. I don't have to tell you to call out on God. When you're starving to death and you have no food in your belly, nobody has to beg you to pray. When you're sick in the hospital and you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know what the tests are going to show, nobody has to beg you to pray. When they're about to come take everything you've got, nobody has to call on God. But I'm telling you, when you're well, when you're full, when you're blessed, when everything's going great, when you're in peace and prosperity, I'm telling you, we get self-sufficient and we forget God. Oh, I want God to take this problem away. If he does, he won't ever hear from you again. The peace and the prosperity caused him to forget God. And I can't, I can't, I can't, man, I can't be too hard on Asa. I found so many times in my life when everything's going great and everything's going fine, it's real easy to get comfortable, isn't it? It's real easy to slow up in prayer. I, mean, I, I remember times when 
we was down in the little building. We didn't even take up enough offering to pay my salary, much less pay all the bills. And I didn't know how in the world we going to pay the, how we going to pay the mortgage. And man, we prayed. Oh, we prayed like we never prayed. Are y'all with me? Man, it's easy when God goes to blessing. It's easy when God goes to putting, putting his favor upon us. It's easy to forget God. You say, preacher, what's the big deal? I'll tell you the big deal. Let me give you, let me give you three things real quickly that, that happens when we forget God. Three areas of our life that's affected when we forget God. The Bible says in chapter number 16, in the very first verse, we find that he runs into adversity. Do you realize you can run into adversity when you're right with God and when you're wrong with God? And, 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 and we always, we always, the outcome's always determined by our relationship with him. And the Bible says that when he run into adversity, an enemy king came against him. And instead of going to God and instead of praying, he goes into the treasury and he takes out of the treasury gold and silver and gives to a foreign ungodly king. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. The first thing that's affected when we forget God and we drift away from God is our treasure. Somebody say it with me. Is our Watch this. The Bible says, the Bible says in verse number, uh, verse number 18 of chapter 15, when he was right with God, when he was on fire for God, when he was zealous for God, the Bible says in verse 18 of chapter 15, it says, and he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and vessels. That's before. That's when we're right with God. That's when we're favored by God. That's when we're on fire for God. We have no problem bringing into the house of the Lord the silver, gold, and the vessels. But watch now when we've forgotten God. Chapter 16, verse 2. In chapter eight, or chapter 15, verse 18, it says, And he brought in the house. Chapter 16, verse 2 says, And Asa brought Do I need to draw a picture? Do you realize, do you realize that, and I, I, trust me, I didn't plan on preaching on giving and tithing for revival day. I did not plan that, but it's here. And God's trying to tell us something. The very first thing, most, most people who study church and study uh, 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 Christianity teach us that, that it takes up to six months for a baby Christian to mature and grow enough to give anything. And most of the time when that takes place, they're usually tipping, not tithing. In other words, just giving a little bit. We believe in tithing. We believe the Bible teaches tithing, a tenth of our income. Not just tithing, but love offerings. We believe in tithes and offerings. We give to God. We believe in being generous according to our Savior. We want to be like Jesus. Amen? Up to six months to give anything. Up to a year to begin to tithe at all. And, and, and we know there's a lot of people away from God because statistics say only 20% of professed Christians are tithing anything. But do you realize the very first thing, the last thing found in chapter 15 is the first thing to go in chapter 16. Do you realize that your wallet is a thermometer? that determines the temperature of your heart. 
The Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your If you want to know what people have a heart for, check where they spend their money. Most people have a heart for football. Most people have a heart for hobbies. Most people have a heart for all kinds of things. A lot of people have a heart for missions. A lot of people have a heart for evangelism. A lot of people have a heart for the hungry. The reason that they are so concerned and they care about Compassion International and these young people and the needs that they have because that's where their heart is. And where their heart is will determine where their treasure goes. And do you realize that people quit giving long time before they quit coming? What happens is we forget God. What's the big deal? We forget where it come from to begin with. We forget that everything we have is God's. Everything we own is God's. Everything we wear is God's. Every car we drive is God's. Are y'all with me? Everything's God. And when we forget where it comes from, we forget to return it to him. Yes, 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 yes. This preacher was praying with a young man. He said, preacher, pray. Pray. I, you've been preaching about tithing. You've been preaching about giving. And I want you to pray that God will bless me with a job where I can start giving. And, and, and so they prayed. He got a job making $5 an hour. Man, it was great. He was so excited. He came and was able to, able to give his tithe. And, and they said, man, this is great, preacher. This is wonderful. And he, and he starts growing and God starts blessing him, gives him a better job, gives him an increase. And before long, he's, he's making about $30 an hour. And he come, to, he come to the preacher and said, look, preacher, this is really bothering me. Uh, here lately, I just, I'm, I'm just making too much money to tithe off of this. He said, preacher, will you pray for me? Will you please pray for me? He said, no problem, son. Let me pray with you. He said, oh, God, break him back down to $5 an hour so he can afford to tithe. Whoa, preacher, what are you doing? Wait, wait. You know what happens? We forget where it comes from. The children of Israel forgot they didn't dig that well they was drinking out of. The children of Israel forgot they didn't plant that vineyard. God did it. And when we drift from God, when we begin to forget God, it affects our treasure. Not only that, but it affects our trust. The Bible says when he was in great need in chapter 14, he called unto God and he put his faith and confidence in God and God moved on the scene and conquered the enemy for him. And not only conquered the enemy for him, if you read the whole chapter, you'll find out he gave him great spoil also. But in chapter 16, he never prayed. He never asked God. He never called unto God. But he went and he beat. Now watch this. This is what happens. This is what we do. We begin to manipulate our situation. What does that mean? We get arrogant and when we don't pray, you remember what we learned last week? That when we don't pray, what we're essentially saying is, God, I got this. I, I don't need you. I don't, I don't need your help to sing. I don't need your help to preach. I don't need your help. I got this. I don't need your help with my four teenage girls. Oh, God, help us in Jesus' name. I got four. <laughs> the Lord looked down on me and said, Father, forgive him. He knoweth not what he doeth. Amen. Lord, have mercy. How many times has a problem risen up in your life and you begin to cram and try to, try to do everything in the world to figure out how to fix it? I could sell this child and maybe pay this bill over here and I can, I can, 
That's a father of a girl. I guarantee you right there. Y'all with me? We, we come to an adversity and we try to figure out. And you know what happens? Let me tell you what happens. Let me, let me, let me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to prophesy right here. You start trying to figure it out on your own and you start wigging out because you figure out you can't. And instead of going to God, we go to a medicine bottle. I need something to calm my nerves. I need something. I can't figure out my, I just got everything just falling down upon me. Have you talked to God? And let me, let me, let me, let me give you a hint. OMG don't count. Oh, I'm sorry. We've got people don't have texting in here. Oh my God does not count as praying. Are y'all with me? Most people come to my office for counseling. The very first question I ask, have you prayed about this? Well, I kind of, uh, no, that's why I'm talking to you. Like I'm the one that's, you know, supposed to. Have you ever heard the phrase, Preacher, I tell you, it's bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. All we can do now is. When that's the first thing you should have done. That's the coolest socks I've ever seen in my life, son. I just want to tell you that right there. That's great. Amen. Three services, and that's the first time I've seen them. Amen. That's wonderful. How many of you in the building realize that maybe we need to spend a little more time in prayer? But see, when we forget God, it affects, it affects our trust. And our confidence wanes in the Lord. But lastly, the worst part about the whole deal, it not only affects our treasure, it not only affects our trust, it affects our testimony. Our testimony. You see, this is what happened. And it's going to happen to you too. If you belong to God, now if you don't belong to God, this ain't going to happen. Uh, but if you, it, the Bible says, and I'm not cussing here. My dad was in the last service. That was him, by the way, waving the cane. He's an old-fashioned Baptist preacher from way back, and he gets happy. I just hope he don't hit nobody with that cane, amen. It's, oh, Lord, help us. Um, is, is that when we get away from God, if we belong to God, according, according to the New Testament, the Bible says, whom he loveth, he chasteneth. And if you're without chastening, you're a bastard, not a son. Now, that word means illegitimate. In other words, if you belong to God and you get away, he's coming. And if you do something you're not supposed to do, he's going to send the preacher. And the Bible says the man of God came to him and said, what are you doing? There was a day in your life, don't you remember? Don't you remember the Ethiopians? Don't you remember praying and God destroying the million men army that came against you? What are you doing? Man of God got all in his face. And you know what? You know what? We need that today. We don't need everybody to be telling us everything's fine. If I got cancer, I don't need a doctor to say, you're, you're great. This is wonderful. Just it's, you're, you're having a, it's all. No, no, no. I want somebody to rear back, look me eyeball to eyeball, and tell me the God's honest truth. A lie will not help anybody. We need men of God to stand and tell the truth. And if we're away from God, we need them to get in our face and say, what are you doing? 
You know what God will do? He'll come into the church house. He'll come into the church house, and he will not only pull in your driveway, he'll park in your garage and go to beeping the horn. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You think your spouse is told on you? You think the preacher's got your house bugged? You think he's been following around? No, no, no. There's a Holy Spirit that knows everything about you. He knows your need before you even know it. And he'll put it in the Word of God, and the man of God will bring it to you. Amen. You know what happened? When that happened, he got angry. Like many have done in this building right here. I tell you what, that ain't none of your bit. No, 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 no. You you talking to the mailman, brother? <laughs> and we get angry. So how do you know? Because I have. I have. God's gotten in my stuff before. So you need to straighten your act up. And you know what? It's very easy to get angry at the messenger. And according to chapter number six. Asa got so mad at the preacher, he threw him in prison. Y'all with me? Now, we won't do that today, but we'll quit coming. I'll go to another church. That's the smart thing to do. Go to one that's going to lie to you. Go to one that's just going to use you for what they can get out of you. Are you going to go to one that's going to love you enough to tell you the truth? You see, he lost his testimony because he abused. He disrespected the man that God sent to help him. And not only that, not only that, he began to abuse the people. You know what that tells us? And it's all right here. I'm not making none of this up. Read the chapter. It's right there in verse 16. If we can't get along with God, we won't get along with anybody. I'm telling you, when I'm, not, when I'm away from God, happy people irritate me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, look, some of y'all need to take the halo off and put it in your pocket. We don't believe it no how. Come on. You know you're not right with God. God's been dealing with you. God will get, and, and then you'll go in the church house and somebody will be happy and they'll be shouting. You think, what's he happy for? And people that are away from God, people that has forgotten God, they're the most, they're the most irritable people in the world. Because they're not right with God, so they can't feel God when they come into his house. When they go out in the world, they don't feel right because they're not of the world anymore. So we just make everybody mad. We just grumpy, grouchy all the time when we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord. We're supposed to be experiencing joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's funny to me, some of the people who think they're the holiest look the miserablest. That's probably not even a word, but I made it up. Miserableist. And, and we're supposed to be salt of the earth. We're supposed to, we're, we're, the way we are should make people want to be like us. I don't want to be around these people because I'm afraid I'm going to catch what they got. When the whole time, it's because they've forgotten God. And the worst part about the whole deal, the worst part about the whole deal was the last part that we read. The Bible said then King Asa, he got diseased in his feet. Diseased in his feet. Now, I've read that over and over and over again. I'm saying, now, there's something to that. Because God is not going to just put something there. He's just not. And I begin to look and research through the Word of God about feet. 
you know the Bible says that when, when, when Moses came to the burning bush, that God said, take your shoes off because you're on. It was a place of worship. Now, we don't worship these walls and this floor. It's sheetrock, it's carpet, it's concrete, it's wood. But this is where we meet with God. And wherever the presence of God is, that makes it holy. And the Bible says that the woman who came to Jesus, Mary, she came and began to weep and, and, and anoint his feet and kiss his feet and worship him. You know what? Today in America's church, worship is diseased. It's weak. It's anemic. It doesn't have the hand of God on it. And God's telling me there's so many places that don't know anything about true Holy Ghost worship because they're diseased in their feet. And the problem's not in the White House. The problem's not in the State House. They can't fix anything. The problem's not with the sinners. Sinners don't need revival. Sinners need resurrection. It's God's house that needs revival. He says he was diseased in his feet. Not only, not only is it a representation of worship, but it's a representation of victory. Joshua brought enemy kings out of a cave, and he called all the elders of Israel and said, Come put your feet on their necks, which represented victory and power. My Lord said unto the Lord, rest here till I make your enemies your footstool. Victory. And you know what? We have Christians all over America today that quote the verse, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have the power greater than, than any man could ever imagine or fathom. Yet we're dying of addiction. We're dying of weaknesses. We have no victory over disease. We have no victory over depression and discouragement. And we are diseased in our feet. Churches need revival. You say, preacher, how is our church going to get revival when us Christians get revival? It starts with the individual. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Now the significance to this is, this is during the Laodicean of church age. This is the last letter. This is when the, the ultimate, the, the, the total picture is lukewarm. And I believe all over, I, I, I have the privilege to preach in a lot of places. And what I am finding is Laodicea. Cold. Lukewarm. Not in, but not out. Just, hey. Preachers come here and they feel the Holy Ghost in here and they think I can put that in my pocket and pull it out at their church. It don't work. And here's the problem. We're in an age today, especially in America, where it's a lukewarm spirit. But I stand at the door and knock. Now watch, here's the key. If any man, not people, Man, singular, individual, will hear my voice and will open the door. I will, hallelujah, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. And I don't have time to preach on that supping, but it's good stuff right there. What does that mean? Everybody in this church can be dead as four o'clock 
and you experience revival in this chair right here. Revival is determined by the individual, not the crowd. So you can't blame being in a dead church because you just might be the spark that starts the fire. Give him praise and glory. Amen. Lord Jesus, send revival. Send your touch. Send your anointing. God, if there's folks in here that need to be saved this morning, save them. If there's folks that need to be revived, revive them. If there's, Lord, if, if there's somebody here that just needs encouragement, just, just needs prayer, Lord, we have altar workers here. We have uh, 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 volunteers that are here with their Bibles in their hand. Be glad to take a Bible and show them how to be saved. Father, I pray right now that you'll move. God, that you'll touch and you'll help. Lord, I pray right now, we don't want anybody to leave here lost. We don't want anybody to leave here undone. We don't, we, we don't want anybody to leave here without taking care of business. Lord, if there's something that they need to do for you, if there is a decision that they need to make for you, I pray that they'd come as we pray. I pray your, your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, everyone. Stand. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. We're not going to drag nothing out, but if you need to come, come on. If God is speaking to your heart, if you need to be saved, come on. Come on. What is God speaking to you about? Do you need encouragement? you need God to touch you? I promise you, he's the greatest friend you'll ever have, you'll ever know, you'll ever be a part of. Sing it with all your heart, Now I want to hear you. In my distress. In your deepest trouble, in your greatest need, in your darkest valley, he'll be there. Yes, amen. Sing it, son. Help us. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody, with all you got now. I must tell Jesus. Oh, you sound great. Come on, sing. If I but ask him, he will deliver and make up my troubles quickly. Come on, one last time. Let me hear you real loud. Sing it real loud. So I must tell. 
time.